0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Schaub, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families you and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Eric Brassfield. We talk about creating experiences with our families, finding gratitude for the opportunity to be fathers and how to truly lead by example and what that looks like. Enjoy meeting my friend, Eric. All right, Eric, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. How are you today? Doing good, Dad. How about you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. So you and I met on a trip out to the Bahamas, got to hang out a little bit. It was like an insurance carrier trip and just got to go get wind and dined and have a good time. But something that stuck out to me is there's actually a specific moment, bro. Like we'd never met before this trip, but there's a moment we're all out to this like kick-ass dinner or whatever. And it was either after or right before I see you sitting on a bench looking at your phone, just deep in a conversation with your daughter. Through the weekend, you had shared how much you just love being a dad, but just to see that intimacy, bro, even on a phone call with your daughter was super incredible.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, she's, besides my wife, the love of my life. That little kid could do no wrong. I mean, I still correct her when she's being a little turd, but I love her to pieces and it's been a blessing to have a daughter. I always thought I wanted a son first and then when we found out we were having a girl and when she popped out, that flood of emotions of love was huge so did you not find out what you were having
0: for the first one
1: no we did i wanted to be surprised but my wife's a planner of course yeah yeah uh, i get that
0: i get that and how old is your daughter now she just turned two on
1: july 1st she's had a second birthday party here at the house and Minnie mouse everything she's very into Minnie mouse and spidey spider-man
0: oh that's cool love it well, cool. Let's dig into a little bit who you are, and then we'll get into some fatherhood stuff. I've been looking forward to talking about this with you. But how old do you find yourself today? 39. I'll be 40 in September. <laughs> so I turned 42 weeks ago, and then I was laughing because my shoulder's been hurting, bro. And so I went into physical therapy literally like two hours ago. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what forties like going to... PT just weeks after I turned 40. This is some horse crap. Yeah,
1: I've been joking around saying that when I met you in the Bahamas, I had my shoulder done and I had my knee done. So I called it my 40-year uh, makeover.
0: There you go. The daddy makeover. Got new knee, got new shoulder, good to go. That's <sighs> oh, it's so good. And then I love and hate this question, but what is it that you do for a living?
1: Oh, I work for Hayward Fire Department. I'm an apparatus operator. I've been with them 10 years. And before that, I worked Cal Fire and El Dorado County Fire as a firefighter paramedic. So I started my fire service career in 2007. And before that, I did uh, framing and construction.
0: So basically, you're a real life superhero is what you're trying to tell us.
1: I don't know about that. It's a fun job. No two days are ever the same. And it's always something exciting. So it makes the day go by fast.
0: That's awesome, man.
1: Where do you and your family live? We live in Pleasant Hill in the Bay Area, Northern California.
0: Okay, and how many years you've been married? We
1: just had our 5th anniversary on June 22nd.
0: Love it, dude. Okay, so 5 years married, 2-year-old, uh, and then any other kids planned?
1: Yeah, we got one on the
0: way. We just oh found out. Gosh. It's still
1: super early, but we got a little boy on the way.
0: Dude, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, super excited. Love it. Okay. So bro, you clearly have a joy about you when you're talking about your daughter, when you're thinking about fatherhood. What would you credit that to? I think sometimes it's a little hard for dads to embrace this fatherhood role, but did you always know you wanted to be a dad or was there a significant moment where it just was like a click for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's always kind of been the running joke with all of our friends. I'll always play with their kids and Even at the firehouse, when families come to visit, I'll be out there playing with the boys, playing with the girls, having them squirt water. And so I've known that I've wanted kids since I was early 20s. I think because my dad was kind of absent, my mom was like a superhero. I couldn't wait to prove that I'd be a good dad. So when I met my wife and when we started working on trying to have kids, I told her on our first date, I don't know why. We talked on the phone for a while, but I told her on our first date at the Space Needle in Seattle, don't worry about it, I'll take care of the kids. And it just came out just like flip of the tongue. Oh my gosh. How'd she take that? She blushed, I blushed. I was like, what did I just tell her on my first date? Um, But needless to say, eight months after our first date, I proposed to her in Cabo and the rest is history.
0: So interesting. You know, I think there's a lot of guys who had an absent father who then feel inadequate to be a dad. What has given you the tools or resources to feel like, I'm ready to embrace this, although you didn't have a dad around?
1: Yeah, I never really had that doubt in my head. I think because I had a good support system of family, coaches, friends, dads, it kind of led the way for me as a kid. Even though my father was absent, I had other strong men and strong people that would love and embrace you, take you under their wing. So I never really felt at a disadvantage other than I knew when I got older and could have a family of my own that I couldn't wait for that moment
0: dude super cool so in becoming a dad you're two years in now so you've hit this stride in a sense of how to show up was there anything that was unexpected or threw you off or that you felt like oh man I did not know this was coming
1: I mean, I feel like every day, like there's something new, right? With your kids, but working as like a firefighter paramedic, one of the things that scared me in the very beginning, you're always checking to make sure that they're breathing. Like when you put them down in their own separate room, I think I'm just a little worrisome by nature just because I can see like the bad end of things on calls that I've responded to. I guess just like worried about the sleep, the diaper thing when I'm on calls at work, vomit or the number two area, it makes me repulsed. And I'll start gagging and dry heaving. So I was a little bit worried about that with changing diapers. I'm like, I want to be a good dad. I want to be supportive. And I've changed almost every diaper when I'm home. I thought it was going to bug me. Doesn't bug me not a bit.
0: Dude, you just have that mindset like, I'm just going in. This is not a big deal. This is my kid. I love that. Yeah.
1: And it's your kid. It's your human that you got to take care of. And so I want to make sure that I can do everything I can for her. And it's a cute little bonding time She doesn't kick my wife in the chest, but she likes to kick me in the chest when she's on the changing table. It's like our little rough house time. I'll wrestle her before I throw her on the changing table, and we have a fun fun bond in that way.
0: Mm, That's so good, dude. What have you learned about yourself? So 37 or so, right? When 36, 37, when you have your first kid, you're kind of used to probably rhythm life. You've been a firefighter since 2007. So you've had a lot of control in the area of like what your day in, day out looks like. And then, you know, married for three years before the kiddo comes along. We learn a bunch of stuff by being married without a doubt. But when you think about your kid coming along, what's something you learned about yourself that maybe you didn't know before?
1: I actually had more patience than I thought. Not short fuse, like in an angry way, but can get frustrated pretty easily. And you got to learn to just take a deep breath and take it all in and enjoy the moment because they go by fast. So I learned that my patience was better than I thought with having the child.
0: And was that a decision you felt like you had to make? Or do you feel like it was because there was maybe this maturity around, okay, I want to be a dad, so certain things aren't going to bother me?
1: It's a new role, new responsibility, new challenge in life. To me, being a dad has been the coolest title I've had yet. I'm embracing it 100%, going full force at it. We always joke and we say like, this phase is our favorite with our daughter. But I feel like every day we probably say this phase is our favorite because she just keeps getting cooler and cooler, just seeing how their little mind works. and
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty special to be present. So it seems like you're present to the moments with your daughter. Do you have any, I don't want to say secrets or habits, anything that works for you to shift from crazy work mode, heavy stuff I saw at work? to coming home and setting that aside and being present with your daughter so that you can enjoy those moments.
1: So my work is about 35 to 45 minute commute away. And the firehouse is a good place. We always joke around that your other buddies are like your peer counselors. And so if you have a tough call, if it's silent in the fire engine on the way back from a call, you know, it was a tough call. Whether it be involving a kid or doing CPR, or someone passing away, overdoses, car accidents. If it's quiet in the fire engine, we all kind of regroup at the firehouse in the morning, like just over coffee. It doesn't have to be totally formal, but you kind of let that go. It's almost like signing off when you leave work. Not that you're suppressing those emotions and those feelings that you're having, but if it's a super tough call, you know, I say a little prayer in my head and. I'll give my daughter a huge hug and a kiss and my wife a huge hug and a kiss when I get home and just tell them how much I appreciate the family that we have, like the family bond. Because It is rough to see some of the stuff that's out there, but it makes you appreciate what you have in your own little bubble at home. So I feel like I deal with it pretty well in that way.
0: Yeah, dude, I love that. So it sounds like if it's a rough day that you and the crew will unpack that to some level. Like, does somebody take charge of that and say, hey, let's gather up before we roll out or before our shift's over? And what happens in that? We hired a bunch of vets from the military,
1: Marines, Air Force, Navy, etc. So a few of those dudes, they've become on the critical incident stress debriefing team. So if it's a gnarly call, basically anything involving kids, or a fatality accident or anything serious or close calls on a fire, they'll call around the stations and they'll be like, hey, is everyone all good there? Do we need to have a sit down meeting? Depending on who the battalion chief is, the battalion chief might just go ahead and order it and say, hey guys, meet at station seven. We're gonna have a little round table real fast uh, just to talk about the incident in case there's anything that people wanna get off their chest. So we we definitely have those resources available, which is awesome. We did not have that when I worked at Cal Fire, like when I first started. With that job, you were doing mostly like wildland firefighting. I mean, you're all risk. You'd go to vehicle accidents as well, but it was mostly based on putting fires out in the forest, so didn't have to deal.
0: Yeah, what I want to bring up from this is I think a lot of us men, regardless of our job, like it does make sense. Clearly, if I'm going to a call where there's something horrific, there should be systems in place to protect me to be able to debrief. But I want to bring this up to guys who are listening right now. If you're finding that a lot of times, two, three nights a week or whatever, your energy sucks, you're a dick to your family. Have you just gone from work mode straight into the house? Have you not done any kind of debrief? Whether that's, you know, maybe with yourself or with a homie. It's like if you have a car ride, sometimes I find like I'm overfilling my brain. So I'm like, I got to maximize this car ride. So I'm going to listen to a book or I'm going to take calls until I get home, which then it's like, Okay, well, now I'm in the driveway and it's 510 or 515 and I'm not in the house yet because I'm still working. So I think making a mental note, like what kind of debrief can you do? Journal, call a friend or just talk to yourself, listen to some music. So I think that debrief is huge to be able to show up present. Then the other thing you said was choosing to see the gratitude. It's easy to walk in my house and see everything that annoys the crap out of me. Maybe my kids, whatever, left a mess or irritated my wife or whatever, But like, I choose what I think about. So if I walk in the house, like, yes, discipline your kids, take care of the stuff you need to. But if I can choose to go, oh my gosh, I walked in here on my two feet. My kids are breathing. There's food in my fridge. I have running water. I can shit in a toilet and flush it and not have to deal. You know, dude, the list goes on of blessings we have. So I love that that's what you're doing is you are choosing a state of gratitude. And I think every one of us can do that. And it would help us be more present with our family.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. I think a lot of it is outlook, outlook, perspective on life. If you want to sit there and dwell on the things that bug you, or if you just focus on the negative things that happen instead of having gratitude for the good things that are going on, you could catch yourself in a bad way. Just a bad down attitude. I don't want that to transition to home, so... I'm a pretty upbeat person to begin with, even before firefighting. Like I always have a smile on my face, It's probably to it some people odd. They're like, "Why is he smiling?" Right <laughs> now? But it's hard to turn off. I don't know. Life's good. Like you said, I got my legs. I can walk. One of my best friends growing up, that was always his like favorite quote. He's like, "Hey, at least you got your legs." And I think about that probably once a week because when you're sick or you're injured. It's easy to take for granted when your body's functioning and feeling good, like you probably realize with your shoulder right now. And that's how I felt last year before I had shoulder surgery because it got to the point I couldn't lift Reagan up in the air. like I couldn't get my arm out to the side. Crazy nerve impingement. I did find myself a little bit down, a little bit negative during that time because I've always been on the go, used to like your body working for you as soon as the call goes off or even at home. And then having a little, not disability, but just not being able to do what you could do in the past, that super frustrated me where I was like, all right, I got to get this fixed. Telling the work people, I was like, I can't even throw my daughter in the air right now. That's not what they were looking for with the work thing. But I was like, that's the most important thing to me right now is not being able to throw my daughter
0: in there. So talk to me about that process just for a minute. I was super irritated at my workout yesterday. I'm like, dude, I can't even do these workouts. I was frustrated. Then I went to PT today and I left feeling really stoked. Like this chick just knew what she's doing. She spent an hour, helped me figure it out. But I just want to go to that moment where it's like I came home from my training yesterday and I was like, this sucks, dude. I can't even work out the way I want to. When you think back to prior to shoulder surgery and you're like in a much worse position, you can't lift your arms, stuff like that. How do you choose to go to work on that and do what you can to figure it out versus I'm just going to drink, nothing wrong with drinking, but I'm going to basically numb myself or I'm going to disengage because I can see guys a lot of times just becoming bitter and passive. How did you choose not to do that? Or, and were there moments that you found yourself in that state?
1: There was a few moments that I found myself like that. I'm always chipper and willing to help out with anything. And she saw me moping around the house laying in bed extra long. She's like, what's up with you? She's like, this isn't the husband I married. Like you're sitting in bed. What are you doing? I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I think a good calling out from the wife making me
0: realize that I was falling into that kind of a lull. Okay. So let's go back to this same situation with your wife. Your wife's like, Hey bro, what are you doing? How do you not be like, are you joking me? Uh, I'm a fireman and you have a cush job or whatever. I'm not saying she does, but how do you choose to take that from her and not get irritated about it? Because that's a choice. She doesn't call me out on much.
1: We're a good unit. She was concerned enough to be like, hey, like I've noticed you've been moseying around the house. Are you feeling bad for yourself? You got to get this fixed. So she kind of put a little fire under my butt. She's like, no one's going to do this for you. You got to be like a lawyer reaching out to Shoot. workers. Yeah, no doctor. doubt. huh And that, yeah, that was a full time job. And I'm not very good with the computer stuff, and she's on the computer all day. So I was getting some advice and help from her just try to get my shoulder better to be able to function as a 100% dad and, and fireman. Yeah. Again.
0: So guys, as you're listening to this, I just think this is super critical. This is a fatherhood podcast, but pretty much all the time when we're talking about masculinity, men, fatherhood, all those kinds of things, the marriage comes up. It is such a critical component to our lives. And Eric just now is like, we're a great team. We're a good unit. But that takes two people willing to like go in, communicate, put effort and energy into that. And honestly, you guys, like one of the things I tell my mom and dad is they're still married 40 years. That's one of the greatest gifts they've ever given me. I know messiness happens and life happens. But if you can, that's a great gift to give to your kids. And so work on that. Work on that relationship. It's important.
1: Yeah. One of our favorite things to do together is we'll call it like a Reagan sandwich. If she sees me hugging my wife or giving my wife a kiss, she kind of looks up at us like, wait, why, why aren't I in the middle of this thing right now? And she starts giggling and we wrestle her around. But yeah, like you said, I think it's good to have that bond with your wife to show your daughter. Hopefully 18 years down the road or whatever it is, he finds a man. I hope that she will find a guy that will treat her as well as I treat Amanda, just by example of like, hey, I don't want to end up with a dirt bag. I need to put up with bad attitudes like my mom and dad are super happy and I want to find something like that.
0: So good. Dudes, when I turned 39, I had some serious conversations that really opened my eyes to this desire that I wanted to look on the outside how I was feeling on the inside like an alpha father. So I decided that before I turned 40, I was going to get that six pack, something that I always wanted. Now, I knew I needed support. So I joined Superhuman Fathers and these dudes got me shredded. It took me longer than expected, but they helped me to surrender to who I knew I wanted to be. And they helped me discover a much deeper understanding of my potential as a man, husband and father. This tribe and the overall experience has taught me way more than just how to look good. So, if you're looking to transform into the man deep down that you know you were created to be, go to rebelandcreate.com forward slash transformation. And I share tools and resources that will help you do the same. Yeah. And I mean, that's the reality. The reality is, is every day I could tell my daughter, hey, marry a great man, marry a great man. But if I'm not an example of that great man to my wife, she's probably not going to most likely not. We're setting that example. So I've asked this question a couple of times. We'll see where it goes. If you had to get one word tattooed on your forehead, what word would that be? One word you want to represent that matters to you? Loyal, dude, loyal. That's okay. Why do you say that? It's interesting that you say that this word's been really important to me the last maybe six weeks or so.
1: Loyal to my family, loyal to my friends, loyal to my child.
0: What does loyal mean to you? Like if you were to describe loyalty, what does that mean?
1: Loyal to me means that when someone calls, you'll be there. Doesn't matter what time of day it is. They know that they can call you. They could be halfway across the country and say, hey, I need you here right now. I need your help. That's what loyalty means to me. Just being present, being there for them picking up on little intuitions before they even have to say it, being a good husband, being a good dad.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. So I was at this conference maybe, I don't know, a couple months ago, and this guy, Brant Hansen, spoke. And he's written a couple books. One is The Men We Need, and that's what he was speaking on. So I've listened to that since then, and I'm halfway through his book, Unoffendable. But it unlocks something. Like, I've been a follower of Jesus my whole life. I would call myself a Christian. But I think for a lot of times I pursue, I want to do things right. And I'm hard on myself if I mess up. And so what this dude said is he was like, God isn't looking for people to be perfect. He's looking for people to be loyal. And it just like something in my soul was like, dude, I resonate with being loyal. I don't resonate with being perfect. And loyal is like, dude, you and I might get in a fight. We might get irritated. We might screw something up today. But dude, we're going to get our asses up again tomorrow and go after it again. Right. Like I'm going to show you, bro, I can do it. Uh, let me give me another chance. Like I'm going to get up because I'm going to go after it. And to me, that's that's loyalties. I'm not always going to be the perfect dad or that's definitely not the perfect husband. But I'm going to be loyal and I'm going to show up and I'm going to grow as a human. And so, dude, I just it's so cool. You would bring that word up because ah, it's like, dude, it resonates with my being as a man.
1: Yeah, well, totally. I feel like it also transitions to the job of a fireman because when people call you, they're calling you on their worst day and they want you to have all the answers. And sometimes we don't have all the answers, but I'm loyal to the citizens that we serve to always put my best foot forward. Even if I don't know how to fix it in the moment, I think it translates to them that I'm
0: doing all I can to make a
1: situation better.
0: And shoot, I mean, just put that same definition in with your wife and kids. I'm going to show up every day and I might not have all the answers, but I'm going to put my energy effort into making this the very best I can. And I think that's what people want. People don't want the dude with all the perfect answers. Eventually, it just makes you feel like either the dude's a phony fraud or we're all inadequate. But we all know life is super messy. It It just is. People make life harder than it needs to be because they let the mess dictate how they show up instead of just acknowledging it's messy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Couldn't agree with that more. I'm fired up, bro. Okay. When you think about the role of the father, how would you describe that in a couple sentences? What is that role of the father? I think the role
1: of the father, your number one job is to protect. So protect your children, protect your wife. And what does it mean to protect? What does that look like? So to me, to protect doesn't have to be just physical. It could be keeping your kid, making sure that they're fed, they're housed, they're learning, they're having fun. Just protecting. The world's a crazy place, right? When I say protect, it's also like being loyal or being present. Being there as a family unit to take care of them when they need you. And then protect slash provide. So you're providing for your family. And then being a good listener, being a good shoulder for them to bounce stuff off of kind of like a solid rock. So whether your wife's having a bad day or your kid's throwing a temper tantrum for some reason, and you don't know what just happened, but they're crying without immediately getting angry and be like, why are you crying? Quit crying. Like, come here, sweetie. Let's talk this out. Only time she really cries is when she's being too rambunctious and she runs to the corner of the table or tries to jump off the back of the couch and it startles her. And she's like pointing at things, getting mad. And we always joke around. And I always say, like, show me your muscles. Let me see if you're tough. And she, she flexes. And then I'm like, all right, a, a dad kiss is going to make this all better. So give her a little boo-boo a kiss. And she's smiling again. So we're pretty fortunate. She's been an easy kid so far. Man, that's great. We'll see how
0: number two goes. That's great. Yeah, but you'll be all ready for number two in a different way. I mean, the number two will be totally different. But at the same time, you'll have the experience on your belt when you think about Reagan, 10, 15 years old, and then now your son, right? <laughs> I already saw your face like, oh, shit, that's going to happen one day. To what level do you start to think about how do I protect my kid? Because you, you're you out in the world, you see some mess. But to what level do you feel like you want your kid to experience life, but with you there providing guide rails? Like, What does that look like to you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I want to give her the freedom to be able to make her own decisions. And I want to give her a good basis of knowledge and hopefully in the next 15 years, just our open communication with each other. Obviously not now, but as she gets older and high school kids start to experiment with drugs and everything else, not going to like put the fear of God into her of horror stories per se, maybe if I I need to, if I need to. But I think just having like open lines of communication with my kid, and kind of setting boundaries to start with. Every kid's gonna push those boundaries. It's what you do. I did it to my mom. I felt like I was a good kid, but if you ask my mom, she would say that yeah, there was times that I definitely worried her a ton. Whether it be riding a motorcycle, getting tattoos, she told me three things: don't join the military. Don't get a motorcycle and don't get tattoos. I got tattoos and I got a motorcycle. And my mom's like, what are you doing to me? You're making my hair go gray. But, so as far as like when Reagan's 15 years old, I'm hoping that just the father-daughter bond that will continue to grow by then, knowing that she can call me at any time, come home. When I'm home, we could talk through anything she wants to. I've never experienced that with my dad and my older sister. Father, father-daughter talks. It'll be a new challenge when that day comes.
0: But based on the relationship you're building with her now, I mean, even from the I'm spending time changing your diapers to I'm creating a bond with you to we have open dialogue. That's your approach now. You can't dictate you know, what your kid's going to choose to do or not do. But the intent is that you have this opportunity to just communicate dude, it's freaking awesome, man. My 17 year old daughter is my oldest daughter. And and we just have a great relationship where she can ask me pretty much anything. We have open conversation. I'm taking her and her friends camping tonight on the beach. She wants to ask me to go, you know? And so having that open conversation is huge. You know, there were times where there are certain things like she wanted to talk to mom about, not me, but I get that too, you know, and I want to respect her boundaries, dude, super good. So this podcast is fatherhood field notes. You've been opening up your field notes, sharing your life with us, your relationship with your daughter. The theme or the mantra behind it is rebel and create. The idea is I'm rebelling against what it means to be a guy without a dad growing up so that I can create a family. Or I'm rebelling against having my cell phone at the dinner table so that I create family memories, whatever. So when you think about rebel and create, what's something that you're currently rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion?
1: Yeah. So I guess right now in the phase with Reagan being two years old and not judging other people, but I don't like seeing my kid glued to an iPad or an iPhone. So I try to lead by example by when I get off work, the phone goes on the counter. It's not sitting on my lap in front of me on the couch and being present. Disconnecting from media, from like the TV, like we play games, we read books. I just built her a big old playhouse in the backyard. You see that one? So we, we like to be active and outside and do stuff like that. So I guess rebelling against the norms that I see around me in the Bay Area, because it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of, here you go, just take a phone, put it in front of your kid, give them some snacks, and they'll leave you alone. But... You you never know how many days you have with them. So I try to live each day to the fullest with my kid. And then my wife does the same when she gets off work. It's a cool feeling. She works from home. She's on conference calls, Zoom calls all the time. And our daughter knows when mom's in the front office that mom's working. Once she sees Amanda put her phone down, it's like, all right, it's go time. And have fun family times together. Rebelling against pushing all the media, all the cartoons, just trying to be a present dad make sure that I'm playing with her and giving her enough attention and then also letting her venture off and seeing what her little brain's creating as well. So it's easy for me to just want to be a hover parent because I enjoy playing with her so much, but I like seeing her line up all of her little dolls and figurines or books, make a mess of the playroom, and then we pick it up together. So it's kind of cool to see her from a distance, see how her little brain's working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, bro, it's funny you'd say that you could kind of be that hovering dad who just wants to do everything. That's how I am with my kids. It like hit me last Halloween. I was like, wait a second, we're not all going out together. And my wife's like, that ship sailed, bro. Stella's the only one going with us. The other four don't want you to go out with them. They're going to do their own thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, it just happened. You know, it just happened. It's over. Something you said, though, that I thought was really valuable in this is you didn't just say, I don't give my kid a phone when we go out to dinner so that me and my wife can just talk and they can just be busy. But you said that you set your phone like you created a habit for you so that your daughter's not just seeing you on the phone. And I think a lot of parents, they get frustrated because their kid wants the phone, wants the phone, wants the phone. And it's not because you gave it to them one time. It's because they see you on it. 24-7. And I, I think we have that disconnect. You have to lead by example.
1: And of course, she knows what a cell phone is already. Because like, we'll FaceTime. FaceTime's a huge thing. FaceTime, and then we have one of those little Nanit baby cameras in her room. So I'll get alerted when I'm at the firehouse. And I love if I'm not on a call, getting that alert. It's like motion detected. I'll just see like my wife's legs in the background playing with Reagan. I get on the nanit camera. I'm like, Reagan, what are you doing? She gets so excited. So yeah, she does have technology in her life. FaceTime's a huge thing for when you're working a 48 or 72 hour shift. She's looking at me through the phone and that's like our little bond. Before she goes to bed, gets to say goodnight to dad and mom reads her a book. So she does have a little bit of technology in her life. I'm not going to lie.
0: Well, no, but I think that's not only honest, but it's a reality is like, yeah, we don't live on a hundred acres in the middle of Barstow and not showing our kid anything. Yeah. I think that you just have to balance it. And and that's something my wife and I've gone back and forth with a lot is like when to let the kids have cell phones. And I would be like, don't have them forever. She wants them to be able to learn their boundaries and learn things while they're in our house. So it's like finding that right age to where it's like you're teaching them how to be healthy with these things that are going to be here.
1: Yeah, it's a good reminder for me and for my wife. We kind of made that our thing when we have a date night, leave the phones in the car so you can be present. It's funny when you look around, when you go out to eat, and you see everyone's just sitting there with their cell phones, not engaged. And you're like, why'd you even go out to eat? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just so you didn't dirty the kitchen. Before I ask you my final question here in a couple minutes, any advice you would give to a young dad who maybe didn't have a dad growing up similar to you, but they're finding themselves not knowing how to show up? I'll give you an example. I talked to this dad recently, and he just said he's been having a hard time because he grew up in group homes, and he'll be sitting around the table, and he'll see his kid enjoying life, and he's like, oh my God, I didn't get this. And it's a little bit triggering for him If you think about a young dad, what would you say to them to help encourage them that they have what it takes, I guess?
1: I guess what I would say is, I mean, obviously you want to address those feelings and those emotions and whether that be like going and talking to a counselor, talking to a friend, like kind of reaching out about it. But once you have your child and you're looking at your child, the moment, not that you need to forget about yourself, but it's about them. So instead of it being like poor me, You get to relive the experiences that you missed out on. Maybe you missed out on them, right? And maybe there's like the good things that you had as a kid growing up. But this is your time now to make amends and make things better for your kid instead of it being like, man, I didn't have that. Because that's taken away from the kid at the moment. That kid... Like you just said, when you go trick or treat and now the older ones, they don't want to go with you. So like you have a short number of years to make a positive influence and a positive impression on those
0: kids. So, Dude, as you say that, I've been thinking about this more. Like your kid is half you. They are a reflection of you. They're your DNA. And so like nothing wooey, but the way that you said it is you are getting to create for them and in a sense for you, what maybe you didn't have. So yeah, maybe I'm 35 and my kids too, but it doesn't change that I can experience this moment. Now I may have more, you know, I'm 35, I'm not two, but I still get to experience this moment and be present with it with this person that's half me. It's my story, my DNA. So you get to experience it. You get to make it whatever you want. I just love the way you said it. It clicked for me in a new way.
1: Basically, that's how I look at it. I wouldn't even say that I had a bad childhood because my mom was super rad. We send my mom a Father's Day card. My sister and I, like, we'll we'll make a card. like, happy Father's Day, mom. Like, I've given my mom black eyes. I've broken her toes. She's put on the catcher's glove when I was trying to be a pitcher in Little League. Again, she's not a father, but she did fill both roles really good as best as she could. I always saw the effort that she put in, like, as a single mom. I've always been excited to be a father, just to cherish those memories with your kids. And it's even cooler, like, having a wife and a family unit, which whether people want to admit it or not, if your parents get divorced, it does leave a little hole there. I just think about creating the family bond that I've always wanted, and I'm doing that with my child currently. We do the fun holiday traditions together. We wrap this separate presents in brown paper from Santa and get everything done the night before. And seeing that excitement on that kid's face, like you are reliving things for a first time. Because like all those little first memories that you have in your head from a child, like the first time you rode your bike, And then like seeing them get on their bike, just seeing their cheeks light up. My daughter has my fat cheeks. And so seeing her little cheeks light up, oh man, I can't not smile. Like I got got chills right now thinking about it because it's cool to experience. You're experiencing it through their eyes.
0: Yeah. And how powerful you are the one creating that moment. As a father, we have so much power, it's wild. You get to show up present and create whatever their memory is of riding their first bike, shooting their first BB gun, waking up on Christmas morning. You are the one setting the tone of what that looks and feels like. Yeah. So the absolutely. Oh my gosh, dude, like how much power and then how much opportunity to just make an epic life for your family?
1: That's kind of what I said in the field notes. You know, I had eight or nine questions on there, just a little intro before the interview. I see that a lot. We go to a lot of calls and it'll be single family homes. The kids are acting out. There's not a father present. So you could see the good and the bad influences that you have the ability to create for your kids. I see it on calls that we go on. And that's also a reminder to me, like, all right, dude, you're tired. You only got two hours of sleep in the last 48 hours, but the kid doesn't care about that. So come home with a smile on your face. Don't take it out on them. They didn't choose to do your career.
0: I think that's a powerful statement.
1: You get tired. You get tired as parents, for sure. 100%. We'll put her down and sometimes we'll go to bed at 830. You know, like, we're like, all right, we're calling it a night.
0: Dude, Eric, this has been so good. And I think your smile, your laugh, your joy, the joy about you. If all dads had that joy to just see their kids and see their opportunity to love their family, our world would look different. So super inspiring to get to spend some time with you, bro. I'm going to ask you my last question, and it is a legacy question. Imagine Imagine 40 years from now. Okay, 40 years from now, Reagan is 42. Yeah, you're almost 80. Reagan's 42. She probably got a little kid of her own. Your son is 40. What is it that you want to see being played out in their homes? If you were to be standing out in the street in a cul de sac peering into their homes, what would you see being played out that you just, huge smile on your 80 year old face going, all right, I did what I was supposed to do? Seeing them married and
1: happy and love. In love with their kids, embracing those moments that I'm doing right now with Reagan and my wife. Because life is short. So that'll be so cool just to see them create a family of their own. We stay pretty like true to that. In our guest bathroom, we have a picture of Amanda's grandma, Grandma Helen. It's like her child picture. Because without Grandma Helen, there would be no Amanda's mom, there'd be no Amanda. We kind of see that through um, Amanda's mom and stepdad and my mom. Seeing the smile on the grandparents' face, like, I can't wait. Well, I can wait, but it'll be cool when I'm an 80 year old man and seeing my daughter and my son having families of their own, having all those first experiences and that flood of emotions that you get with your children. Those be cool to look back. So I'm hoping by me being a good leader and a good example of
0: that, they'll create
1: their own beautiful families.
0: Keep rolling. Dude, it's, oh my gosh, This idea of of like multination and passing these of like the way you love your wife, the way you love your daughter. For that to be the re for your family line 500 years from now is because the way that you're showing up today, the joy that's about you. It's like we put so much emphasis on other stuff and are like, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like we know it doesn't matter when you're 80, right? You talk about your deathbed. The only thing people are talking about is spending time with those that they love, family. So it's like, dude, dads, let's do, this. like, go home and love on your wife, go play with your kids, like whatever you think is so important to get today is probably not that important. Like, get it done, but it might not have. To go, um, bro, thoughts before we before
1: we. I really appreciate you having me on, and it was great meeting you in the Bahamas. When I first talked to you, I'm like, man, I really, I really like this dude. He's a good dad. And then we were talking over some steak and wine and you told me, I'm looking at the Adventure of Fatherhood book behind you. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. We've
1: bought like 10 copies now. Oh, dude, that's and, what's uh, up. So whenever our friends are having kids or even if their kids are already like three and four, like yeah. we pass them one of those books and... I got a cool phone call from my buddy Jesse the other day. He's like, dude, I know that was from you. That wasn't from Amanda. That's such a solid book. He's like, it brought tears to my eyes because he oh loves Motor yeah. He's got two boys now. And he's like, that's just a fitting book coming from you. And I appreciate the little note you left me. He's like, and I was like, oh, I know the guy, Ned. He created that. He had an artist illustrate it. So yeah, very dude. nice meeting you. And, oh my um, gosh. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for that adventure of fatherhood with the daughter book.
0: Oh, bro. It's going to make you cry, dude. It's better. I hate to say it. You know, I got four daughters and a son. But yeah, dude. There And there's just something about a dad and a daughter, that bond that you have. But it gave me chills you sharing that because that was the intent, dude. The intent is men just need to be shown who they are. They need to be shown that it's worthy and they have what it takes to be that loyal husband and father. And it's going to give us so much purpose, no matter if I sell insurance or you are a firefighter or somebody's a manager at Costco. It doesn't matter if you can go all in on your family. And that's what that tool, you know, the book was for. But same with these conversations. Yeah. Well, dude, I hope we stay connected. And regardless, it's so nice to know that there's another man out there loving his family well. And dude, you're just so ahead of the curve. Two-year-old and one on the way and just the way you carry yourself and love your family I mean, dude, we're gonna look 500 years from now at your family line and it's just gonna be full of love and joy because of the work you're doing right now and the shift you made from your dad not being around to you making the experiences in the life that you wanted and not taking your opportunity for granted. So dude, thank you for being a great father and I look forward to staying connected to you.
1: Appreciate it, dad. Same to you, buddy. Take care of that family and thanks for uh, the talk. All right, bro,
0: until next time. Uh, What an incredible conversation with Eric. Something that really stuck out to me is this opportunity you and I have to create memories. Our kids are going to one day talk about their childhood and you and I have a significant influence on what they're going to say. My childhood was like this. I mean, traditions, holidays, all that stuff, men. The way we show up, we create that. As a father, we create life. But then through our children's time in our home, we're going to create their lives by the way that we live, by the tone that we set, by the energy we bring. So here's the reality. You and I, our children, will hope to God be 40 years old one day and they're going to say, my childhood was like this. And it's going to be a direct reflection in a lot of ways of what we did, how we set the tone in our home. And guys, this just leads me to this. We must know who we are The world would look and feel different if men showed up knowing their identity to love, serve, guide, provide, and protect. And this is why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. So please make sure, go over to adventureoffatherhood.com, check it out. You can get a kid's book, which Eric and I talked about. I mean, dude, how rad. He gave that book to a homie and the guy called him. Like that takes a lot for us dudes to say, hey, this meant something. So go get the book for yourself. You can get it at com. You can get it on Amazon. Give it away as a gift and or I've done the legwork for you. You can go to adventurefatherhood.com, order a gift box for a new dad, throw a note in there that says, hey, bro, you have what it takes. Welcome to fatherhood. Super stoked. No one is going to give this dude a gift. No one is going to invite him into fatherhood. If you know somebody who's had a kid in the last year or is having a kid, you are the only one. If it pops in your head, you are the one who's supposed to welcome them into their role. All right, thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is for your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide. Net shout together. It's us against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next week. And if you want to grab five to 10 minutes, I have Friday's craft of fatherhood podcast, where I share a story, uh, victories and flops from my own fatherhood adventures. Talk to you next time.